You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You're listening to the Eyes on Isles podcast with Matt O'Leary and Mitch Anderson. Hello and welcome to the Eyes on Isles podcast, episode number 85. What's going on? I'm Matt O'Leary with Mitch Anderson. Mitch. How are you doing tonight? I am doing well. I don't know what to do with myself. There's no Islanders hockey on. Like, it's just, what do I do? I, I wrote I wrote an article, the three reasons to uh, that the Islanders can do well or are ready for the playoffs. Uh, that's what I did with my time. What about you? How are you doing? How are you coping? I am not coping very well. I miss the Islanders. I've been watching a lot of baseball. My Mets are playing really well. They're winning 6-3 in the ninth, about to go to 5-1. and one. On the season, so I'm excited. Mm, it's not six in one, buddy. Mm. Uh, I know. Yeah, you became a Milwaukee Brewers fan like yesterday. <laughs> it's so true. That's a, I'm such a terrible fan. Putting it, uh, they're so good. I've been a fan for like I, half a season. <laughs> no, it's okay. <laughs> it's all about being a fan. It's true. It's true. But you know, that, simmer down, right? Simmer down. Simmer down a bit. So, yep. for episode number 85, do you have an addition for us? No. no I, we don't have an 85. We have an 84 and an 86. No 85. Okay. Uh, 85 was the year after I was born, so there's that. That was 10 years before I was born. So, yeah, you were negative 10 by mm-hmm. then? Yeah, nice negative 10. Jesus, negative 10. That's insane. I don't remember the 80s. I remember the 90s, but sure. not, not the 80s. Sorry, Mitch. That's all right. I was... Five by the time we got out, or six by the time we got out of the 80s. So I barely remember them myself. A lot of walking and pooping and vomiting. That's what the <laughs> 80s were for me. And probably a lot of other people, actually. <laughs> a lot of drugs going on in the 80s. Oh, no. The war on drugs. What a wonderful time. <laughs> anyway, Mitch, let's get into tonight's episode for some Islanders talk. We're going to have a fantastic time because the New York Islanders clinched the playoff spot for the fourth time in the last seven years. That's where we start. Playoffs! Playoffs! F it right! I'm loving every second of this because, little fun fact, if you're an avid listener of the show, you probably know this already, but if not, we'll spell it out. So, Mitch and I both joined Eyes on Isles around the same time. It was around April of 2016. 
Yeah. So yeah. right when the Islanders won their last playoff series, but we didn't really get this off the ground until the following, like that summer and the following season. Fair to say? Yes, that's so, fair to say. So this is like our first playoff experience covering it like full time like we do. So I'm really interested to see content-wise what we're able to do. So not only from a content perspective, but then from a fan's perspective, obviously. Like, my team's in the playoffs. What's better? Nothing. Nothing is better. Well, the Stanley Cup, I guess, would be better. True. But the the, the lead-up to it, yeah, it's it's much better than you know, sitting around and twiddling our thumbs in April and May and, like, hoping to God Gar Snow does something, which he does <laughs> not. Uh, and we don't have to deal with that schmuck anymore, so there's that. That's amazing. Um, yeah, they're in the playoffs. They're in the playoffs. And that, um, too, is also like a great sign. You don't have to deal with Garth Snow and like Jack Capuano behind the bench. <laughs> no Jack Capuano. No Doug Waite. No Garth Snow. Oh, my God. No John Tavares bleep, blop, bloop. Everybody has feelings except for me. <laughs> oh, boy. Unbelievable. More more on him a little bit later. Um, mm. But, yeah, no, they're in. They're in. And what a surprise. Like, not, not throughout. Like, we're not surprised today. Like, oh, my God, they made the playoffs. But in September, we had no idea they were going to make the playoffs, right? I think I may have been the most optimistic. And even then, my optimism reached a peak at, like, 83 points. Yeah, out of us two, anyway. I said I said it a million times on this show, but I think I predicted them at 78 yeah. points. Yeah, so, like... Between 78 and 83 points, we didn't think they could make the playoffs. We're going, you know, they might be competitive. Sure, like Lou and Barry were saying, you know, they're going to play hard and they're going to be hard to play against, but that doesn't equate playoffs necessarily. Lo and behold, holy Hannah, were we wrong? Yeah, I mean, obviously, right out of the gate, they started about as we expected, I would say, but then after a couple weeks, they caught fire and really haven't turned back since. No, well, exactly. Like, they haven't lost more than two games in a row, right? I think it is. And even then, their three-game losing streak, and I'm using air quotes here. Well, triple air quotes. I don't know why three. <laughs> um, they lost three in a row, but one was an overtime loss. So they even, even then, they got a point out of it. So I don't necessarily count that. Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. So, like, that's insane. That Nothing longer than a three-game losing streak. They have been extremely impressive. And I... Like I said in my article about who's responsible for them making the playoffs, I mm. obviously both Lou Lamarillo and Barry Trotz were on there and one of the first people mentioned. While I thought both of them were good hires for this team, I thought it was more of a long-term thing. I didn't think it would be this quick of a turnaround, especially after losing your best player. Yeah, I think uh, we saw that in the comments on social media after it went up is – uh, a lot of love gets tossed to the owners because the owners are the one that open their purse strings because it w- obviously wasn't cheap to bring in Barry Trotz. And I don't imagine it was cheap to bring in Lou Lamarillo either. No. They could have gone the typical Islanders route and brought up, I don't know, like J.F. Barube as their as their new GM and like some sh- like schlup from the AHL or something. Brett Thompson. Brett, Brett Thompson or not even just some guy. You got a mullet, you're in. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only qualification is do you have a mullet? <laughs> That's the hiring criteria. Coach and a mullet. Coach at some level, at some level. Not even. Doug Wade has never coached a day in his life and he got the job. Um, but yeah, they didn't do that. They went and hired the guys with not only experience, but the most experience. Right? Like Barry Trotz is what, the third or fourth winningest coach in the NHL? 
don't quote me on that. I'm going to look it up. But like, he's up there. He absolutely is up there. And we know he just passed Islanders legend Al Arbor at some point this year. Yeah. So, so this is a guy who's been around the block, has done it, had success in Nashville, had success in Washington, and now in year one is having success in New York. Exactly. Um, and then Lou Lamorello, right? Like Lou Lamorello was is is the most experienced general manager out there. He's got what three Stanley Cup rings, if I'm not mistaken, in, on his fingers. Uh, he turned around the New York, the New Jersey Devils, while he was there. He helped rebuild the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, so, like, yeah, the guy's a legend in the game. He's already in the Hall of Fame as a builder, and they brought him in. Yeah, so two going-to-be Hall of Famers are now running the Islanders. And, I mean, it shows. Yeah, yeah, it shows. Um, P.S. Barry Trotz is fourth all-time in NHL wins with 808. Next up is Ken Hitchcock, Hitchcock sorry, at 848. And you would assume with the way that Barry Trotz is running this team and the, the length of his contract, he's going to beat that. Yeah, probably next year. Yeah. Well, well, yeah, probably. You know, 40 wins. That doesn't seem uh, out of the realm of possibility. 41 wins and he passes him. And, and then next up is Joel Quinville at 890. Uh, you know, he yeah. could. He could definitely beat him in two years. There's no way he's reaching Scotty Bowman at 1,200. So he could, by the time his, his New York Islanders contract is over, be the winningest coach in the NHL, assuming Joel Quinville does not get another job which isn't out of the realm of possibility. Yeah, that could probably happen. That wouldn't be super surprising. So I said, for me, I'll give you my five guys who I thought okay. were responsible for the Islanders. And obviously there's everyone on that team, but the five really key parts. And to me, they are Barry Trotz, Lou Lamarillo. I did, well, I cheated. It's really like six. I did the two goalies as one. So Thomas Grace and Robin Leonard. Yeah. Casey Sezikis, hmm. and then Matt Barzell. Okay. I don't know if I'd put Barzell there. It's not to say he's bad, but like I wouldn't say it, it's because him were there. It, it, it's certainly something. Like he, He's obviously the better player on the team. Um, but it, it's... Anyways, I, I, I do the two owners, so I'm going to do your use the cheat code out of your book. Uh, the two owners is number one. John Ledecky, Scott Malkin. Okay. Uh, in whatever order you want them, that's my number one. Because they, they had to open the purse strings for the next guys. Lou Lamorello, Barry Trotz. We're now down to three. The two goalies, for sure. Um, but before the two goalies, I'm doing Mitch Korn. Okay. So that's four, and then the two goalies, five. Perfect. I'm on board with that, that too. Yeah, and it's not to say like I don't diminish uh, Casey Zegas. I think he should get team MVP if, if that's such a thing. I, is that the Bob Nystrom Award? It, it's uh, not probably. really, but like it's essentially right. The Bob Nystrom Award is uh, the most persistent, not persistent. Per, per, uh, uh, Eric Nystrom just tweeted it out, and I and I lost it. Yeah, for for me, I would really have a hard time giving it to someone not named Robin Leonard or Thomas Grice. But if I were to give it to a skater, it would be Casey Zekas. Right. Yeah. Well, Casey Zekas has won it already. Like he won it la- last year in 2018. So, okay. Um, usually it's Matt Martin. <laughs> Matt Martin has won it how many times? Five out of the last seven years. So between 2012 and 2016, Matt Martin has won the, the Bob Nystrom Award. Okay. So, so it's the pair, the player who best exemplifies leadership, hustle, and dedication. So essentially, is Bob Nystrom? Bob, yeah. For me, this, and I love Casey. I love Manny Martin too. But to, for me, this year, I think I got to go Robin Leonard. 
That's fair. That's fair. You know, I wouldn't say he shows leadership, but I don't imagine he's not, you know, a vocal person in the locker room. Um, P.S. John Tavares has never won this award. Just, you know, just another dig. (laughs) Just another dig at his direction. Um, Anyways, it's fine. Uh, Yeah, so they're in the playoffs. Yay! That was not enthusiastic. Let me try that again. One, two, three. They're in the playoffs! Yeah! That was better. I just woke up half my household. (laughs) That's okay. So, yeah. Um, Is there anything else we want to talk about, like, the playoffs? They're in a good situation where they control their destiny for um, home ice advantage. And potentially first place. Uh, I guess, yeah. They could, obviously. They're only with, excuse me, three points out. Yes. Two games to go. Yes. Yeah, so if Washington loses and the Islanders win, they are one point out going into the last game of the year where they play Washington. Right. So they, they need to win their next two games to do it. So if they, if they uh, do, even if they go, they have an overtime loss, they can't get it. They need to win. Right. Um, and that's tough. Like this team, they're six three and one in the last ten. The Washington Capitals are, uh, but you know they did lose their last game. So it's did, it's entirely possible. Who do they play? Florida Panthers. Well, that's who the Islanders play. Who do the? Uh, that's who they. Oh, right. You mean their their next game up? The, the cat. Who do the Capitals play before the Islanders? Uh, let me bring up their schedule. It's the Montreal Canadiens. Okay, so they play Montreal tomorrow. We will be rooting for Montreal and the yeah. Islanders. Big big shout out to Montreal. Just get it done, boys. Although I don't. Are they still in the playoffs? I don't know. They're. I feel like they're in the mix. They're very much in a wild card mix. They are level on points with the Columbus Blue Jackets. Uh, they just don't win the tiebreaker, I assume, because, uh, well, Columbus has the row, so that's why. Columbus has 44 uh, regulation overtime wins to Montreal's 41. So that's not going to turn around anytime soon. Montreal's got to get points. Yeah. So, so they have, they're desperate. It's a desperate team. Yeah, very desperate. So could be tough. Could be tough for the Islanders, but... I would assume they get home ice. Like they're two points up on the on the Penguins. Uh, the Penguins have you know two games to go as well. So I, I would imagine they end up with home ice advantage. The Islanders do. So you're gonna if you had to put a prediction on it, you say home ice advantage against the Pittsburgh Penguins is the final prediction. Yes, that, okay. that's what I think the first round is going to be for us. I agree. So I don't understand people who don't want to play Carolina. I think the Islanders have been pretty good against Carolina. Yeah, they're they're okay right now with a six four zero record, but like, I'm not necessarily intimidated by Carolina. Are you kidding me? If it's between Carolina and Pittsburgh, give me Carolina every day of the week. I don't want to yeah, go up I, against Pittsburgh in the playoffs. Like, I, I get the strength of Carolina. They're young and they're fast, but they're also you know they don't play very well defensively. Right, like 219 goals against. Uh, it's it's better than the Penguins, who have 236. So you know, uh, and Carolina does have quality throughout. But you know, don't give me Evgeny Malkin in the playoffs. I'm sorry, but the guy does like a point per game player in the playoffs. Yeah, and I don't know. They still have the big names on that team. They're still Crosby still scares me. Kessel still scares me. And for whatever reason, they just seem to usually figure it out come playoff time. Yeah, especially in the first round. It's not to say they're going to go and win the, the Stanley Cup, although it's entirely possible. Um, I just, you know, I, again, I really want to avoid Evgeny Malkin. I really want to avoid him. Because, like, again, his playoff numbers are insane. Uh, he has 158 career playoff games and 165 points in the playoffs. 
Ridiculous. Ridiculous. Uh, what else could you say? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> There's and, nothing else to say. The guy's magic. And I don't think neither of us are saying that the Islanders wouldn't have a chance against the Penguins. I'm not saying that at all. I just think that if you gave me the choice between having to play Pittsburgh or having to play Carolina, I'm taking Carolina. Yeah, same thing. Maybe I, I there's something I'm missing here, but I I'm okay with uh, a team that's that wants to run and gun because we can we can hang with them. You know, we're we're not gonna outskate them, but we can outplay them for sure. Absolutely. So Islanders are back in the playoffs next week when we do our show. We will be previewing the playoff series because it would not have started yet. I don't believe so. I don't know. I don't know when the minutes. I believe to start. April twelfth. Yeah, that makes sense. So, so that Friday, it should right. be the start. Friday or Saturday, it should start. If I'm not mistaken. Man, that's a big break for us. What are we going to do? We have one day, two day off here, and we don't know what to do with ourselves. Watch a lot of baseball. That's true. Thank God for baseball. Yes. Okay, so moving right along from the playoffs, we are going to get into injuries, which has been a common theme lately unfortunately for the Islanders we talked about losing Andrew Ladd and Valtteri Filippula recently add another one to the list and that is Tanner Fritz yeah I wouldn't necessarily I don't know do you call this an injury because it, it wasn't because he got hit it wasn't because of a play it's because a blood clot formed between two fingers and they had an operation to remove it I get I, would I, I guess it is it, because he's got to heal from the operation, but I just I have a weird feeling calling it an injury because he wasn't injured. Essentially, he became injured because of the surgery, I assume. But eh, I don't know. Yeah, Maybe it's it, just a semantics thing I'm playing around with. It, I think it's a little bit semantics, but I personally would classify it as injured because he's not okay. able, healthy enough to play. Fair enough. Yeah, that's fair. Okay, so that's three guys, sort of. Out for it's not that one isn't necessarily guys that I don't think that this guy's going to be out for very long um, that are out with injury for long term, right? Uh, a lad is out for five months minimum, it seems, with a torn ACL. Uh, we already talked about Fritz being out, he's gone six to eight weeks. That's pretty much the playoffs, even if they go all the way. Uh, and then Philpola was supposed to be out four weeks, but he's already practicing with the team. Yeah, I heard potentially could be ready for game one. Yeah, the, well, the, the, no one has said that he will be. Uh, it's just there's he's feeling good. Uh, it was like, what was it, an elbow extension or something? He overextended his elbow or shoulder or whatever? Something like that. Something with his arm. He did, he did something stupid with his arm when he, he, hit, he tried to hit someone and he hit the boards more than anything else. Um, but again, he's practicing with the team, uh, you know, and with the playoffs, like you said, not starting until the 12th, that's a lot of time for him to recover. Yeah. There, there's a lot of time for him to recover, and I think that would tremendously help out the Islanders because without Tanner Fritz or Valtteri Filippo, if he does play, great. But you would probably have to run out a third line of Bovillier, Kunakel, and Komarov, and we'll get to this later, my feelings on it more so in the social segment. But Okay. Um, that's not ideal for a third line. I think most people would say, correct? No. Okay. I know where you're going with this in terms of the social segment because this is where I was going. But I, I, I won't. I will let you have your time in the sun in the social okay. segment. Um, you're right. That third line does not look good. That does not look like a good third line. Uh, did you ever see yourself? Okay. 
Take a step back. Look at the Islanders roster and think of all the players within the Islanders roster from the NHL to the AHL. Mm -hmm. And you see the name Tanner Fritz. Do you see yourself in whatever space, in whatever time this, this, this hypothetical situation is, go, do you see yourself go, man, we really need that guy? No. Because that's what it's like right now, right? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> we, yes. we really need him as a third line center. Yes, he didn't score. And yes, he's not amazing. But he gives you more than Tom Kunakl can. I'm sorry, he does. He's got two ring on his fingers. Was, All right, <laughs> fine. But like that's a, the fourth line role, not a third line attacking role. Right. I I agree with you. Again, more on that later. But <laughs> Fritz is definitely a better player. And you might be able to, even though I think Fritz, if he is to be an NHLer, is a fourth liner. Out of everyone you just named, you can convince me the most that he deserves to be on the third line. Fair enough. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I, I can see him on the third line. Um, so with this, with Fritz out, Lad out, Philpel out, the, the team made no other call-ups, right? They didn't make a call-up on the call-up because, again, Fritz was brought in from Bridgeport to replace Philpola, and they decided, eh, we're not going to bring him up. We're not going to bring anyone else to backfill his position. We're going to, like you said, run Kunako in a spot. Um, do you think the, the team knew or had an inkling that maybe things were going to be a lot better than the four-week uh, prognosis for Philpola? Do you think that they're like, yeah, he could probably be back by the playoffs. We don't need to call someone up. No, I don't think that was the reason for it. I just think they're like, oh, well, we have a bunch of scratch pad players. Might as well just use one of them. Uh, for whatever reason, I think Barry Trotz really loves Tom Kunakel. Yeah, well, he likes he likes his vets, right? It's not to say that he doesn't like um, rookies or he doesn't like young players because obviously he's integrated a ton of them, right? Pelic. Pulak, Mayfield, Barzal, Beauvillier, although like three of those defensemen are like 24, even Devontae's, again, 24. You can't necessarily call them young. Like, I, I just listening to 30, uh, 31 Thoughts, they're talking to Ryan Strom. He's only 25. He feels like the guy's 30. He's only 25. And, and Devontae's is a year younger than he is. Yeah. Think and, about that. And Strom's been around forever. Well, exactly. So that's that's just it. Like you, you can't necessarily that these guys are kids. But either way, he likes his guys that are veterans who have been there, who've been in the situation, who he feels he can trust. Because if I throw them out, they're not going to get the jitters. They're not going to get the nerves. They know how to to actually compete in this league. Now, that's not to say that they can compete well, uh, but they can compete. And again, he does have two rings, and that means something to a Barry Trotz. Yeah, it, it does, and to a lot of people, it, it means something. I. I'm not one of those. I like to look at an individual and not what their teams do. Uh, but so I guess you don't look at plus minus then. No, I'm I'm not a big plus minus guy. Good. I'm with yeah. you, <laughs> right on. I I am right there with you. But as you like you said, they are definitely looking at this and saying we have the fix on the roster, so we're not going to call up someone who isn't going to help in their eyes. Help. Yeah, I don't know if it's the fix. I think they just we, – we have someone – like, we have a square peg for a square hole. Like, we have someone we can put in there that's going to do what we want them to do. Not going to say that they're going to do it well, but they're going to do what we want them to do. Right? Like, Kunakul is not going to replace Valtteri Filippola. He, he will in terms of, like, taking up that space, but he's not going to do what he did. No, he's not as good as Valtteri Filippola. Filippola has a little bit – he has more scoring upside. He is a good two-way player. He's basically – I mean, we said this all along. He's basically a poor man's Franz Nielsen. 
Well, yeah, that's why we we all call them weird fronts. Uh, I don't know if we said that all along. <laughs> I don't know. I think if you check the tape back in September, we were not saying that. That he was a poor man's Franz Nielsen. Oh, maybe maybe we were saying that. Maybe. Yeah. I just don't want. I don't want to paint it like we were in any way, shape, or form positive when he was added to the roster. Not necessarily. I I don't know. I thought of the bunch, he had the chance to be the best out of him and Komarov and Kunako. You're right. Yes, you're absolutely right. Yeah, it, it turned it that way. You're, I 100% agree with you. So him being potentially able to go for the playoffs is a huge sign because I personally want no part of Tom Kunakal or for that matter, Tanner Fritz getting third line minutes in the playoffs. I'm okay with Tanner Fritz. If you're in a pinch, you're right. I, I'm with you with, with Kunakal. I don't mind him stepping in on, on like the fourth line. If Matt Martin, you know, picks up an injury or Matt Martin has to sit because he, he had like two bad penalties or something stupid like that. Um, not that I can see him ever doing that, but you know, just in case. Same thing for Cal Clutterbuck. I can see him as a replacement part. He's a good scratch pad player, but I don't want him getting regular minutes. Yes, that is a perfectly reasonable explanation and expectation <laughs> for Tom Kunakal. Oh, just building up inside me. Just, just building. You're bubbling. Uh, so anyway, I guess we can move along and talk about a couple of guys heating up. And yeah. that is Jordan Eberly and Anthony Beauvillier. More so Eberly catching on fire. Beauvillier is getting the goals coming a little bit more as well. Mitch, this couldn't happen at a perfect time. No, it, it, this is perfect timing for both of them to start heating up. Uh, like you said, Jordan Eberly has six points in his last five games. And Anthony Beauvillier has three in his last two games. Um, or sorry, three in his last three games. Uh, but that that's perfect. It's exactly what you want coming in, into the playoffs. Now, it, it would have been better if this happened in, let's say, January or December or heck, even, well, maybe not November because Bo had a pretty good November. Uh, but December would have been nice, but, you know, better late than never. Right. And if you are going to be a streaky player, I would much rather you be streaky in the second half going into the playoffs than be, like get everything out in the first couple of months and then go completely dormant the rest of the way. Yeah, I- I- exactly. Like, I-, I I don't want you to be a passenger in the playoffs. I want you to be a driver in the playoffs, please. It's like the reverse Brock Nelson of old. Yes. Well, yeah. But no, because Brock Nelson still had, like, that streak of consistency. I- I'm-, I'm thinking of Bovillia. I'm not talking about uh, Eberle right now. Um, I- at least... Brock did something in October. Bo didn't even do anything in October. He had that like one Rangers game and the you know the fallout after that, and then that was it. No, that point every like eight games or something. That's what I mean. You'd rather have the reverse Brock Nelson. Oh, yes. Sorry, I went way too far on that without understanding what you said. <laughs> yeah. So heating up at the end of the the last month of the season into the playoffs instead of having a good first month of the season. Yeah, that's exactly what you want heading into the playoffs. Same thing, goalies are, are stopping pucks now. Not that they weren't necessarily, but like in the like the last six games, they're stopping nine. Uh, they're getting a nine twenty one save percentage on average, and like the ten or so games before that, they were doing a nine oh two. So big old difference in the puck stopped column. But sorry, we're, we're talking about the, the fours. I don't want to get caught up in, in, in goalies right now. Um, yeah, it's great to have them. We've missed them all year. We've needed Jordan Eberle to be that like 20, 25 goal scorer, and we finally got him. We've, it's finally working. Um, 
and it, it, you're right, it could not come at a better time. Do you think he can sustain it into the playoffs? We're talking Bo or Eberly? Sorry, Eberly. Okay. Eberly, yes. I do. I know track record-wise, and yes, it was only one year, but for 13 games, he didn't have a good playoffs uh, his final year with the Edmonton Oilers. I think that he... I think he has to because he's the, he's the veteran on he's one of the veterans on this forward group that has potential you know a scoring upside. I, I think he has to. The Islanders need him to anyway. How do you feel about his play with Barzell right now? I love it. I think that the Anders Lee and Jordan Eberle and Matt Barzell line is very productive. I I like Lee with Barzell because he can go to the front of the net and just let. Matthew Barzal hang out on the outside and do whatever he pleases with all the other defensemen. And while Jordan Eberle, I think he has a pretty good shot, and he's also more of a skilled player, so he he's different than what Anders Lee is. If you put, I don't know, like a Kiefer Bellows type on the right side, not saying that they would, but I think that is kind of someone who's a little bit too similar to Anders Lee, so I think it's a good balance of a line. Yeah, I like what they've been able to do on the attacking side of things. It seems that they've finally figured each other out, although you're wondering why it took so long, because Eberle and Barzal were playing well together just last year. Uh, although, to be fair, not under a Barry Trot system where True. you have to play defense. Um, not not a priority for Doug Waite. No. Defense, no priority. Um, so it, it, they've taken a while to figure that out, but it seems that they have now. And that's perfect going into the playoffs where not only do you have Jordan Eberle scoring, but you have Matthew Barzell putting up points and, and driving play. That's what the Islanders should have been doing all year. So now you're going, all right, this is finally starting to work. So I'll, I'll put this to you this way. Sure. Can you see the Islanders not only winning a round, but stealing a second? <sighs> Now that we're talking about like they have scoring, we know that their defense is there. We know they can play defense. Their issue has always been scoring. They're ranked 22nd in the league in terms of goals per game and uh, 21st in terms of total goals. That's before any sort of game was played tonight. Let me explain it like this. For me, my expectation is to win the first round. Yeah, okay, fair enough. <laughs> um, at this point. I know I, that's crazy to think because before the season started, it was like whatever happens, happens kind of thing. But once you make the playoffs, the goalposts move. That's one of your favorite expressions. Right, yeah, absolutely. Um, but if by expectation, you don't mean if they drop the first round, you'd be upset or disappointed, right? I think I'd be bummed. Bummed isn't disappointed. Bummed, like when when I hear expectations, I think this is what they're supposed to do, and if they don't do this, then it was a failure. If they get swept, I would say then okay, th- yeah. But if they if they lose in like I don't know six or seven games to the Penguins, I'm not gonna be. I'll be bummed out they lost, but I'm not gonna rip them for it. Right. Okay. So but you you expect going in that they they win that first round matchup? Yes. That yeah, I think they should win. Fair. Yeah. And then. Second round, I would say probably not. Uh, it would come down a little bit, but I wouldn't be stunned if they did win. I'd be stunned if they were going to the Cup and beating whether it's Boston or Tampa Bay coming out of the Atlantic side. Then I would be pretty stunned. But no, I wouldn't be stunned if they ended up beating the Metro side. 
Yeah, I have a hard time seeing them getting uh, seeing them out of the or going to the finals. Just because, like you said, meeting up against one of those Atlantic juggernauts in either Boston or, or Tampa. If I had my choice between the two, I'd honestly take Tampa. Mm-hmm. I know they're a better team, but we just can't do it against Boston. We have a, such a hard time this year Agreed. against the Boston Bruins. Uh, and we've seen what the Otters can do when they just explode in the first round against the Tampa Bay Lightning. I'm not saying that they would win against Tampa. I think the odds would maybe be a little bit better. It would be a, a more favorable matchup. Right, if they had like ninety or a five percent chance of winning against Boston, they probably have like an eight percent or ten percent chance of winning against Tampa. We'll say. Yeah, I think that's that's probably pretty fair. But I can see them beating the Penguins in a series, and I can also see them beating the Washington Capitals in a series. Uh, to, to be fair, I could also see the Penguins winning conversely, but it would it would have to be seven games for the Penguins to win. I think. Yeah, I I think regardless that the Islanders. Whoever wins the Islanders and Penguins series, I like their chances against Washington because you got to think that Washington wins that first round. I think it would go probably six or seven games, and it would be like a flip of a coin one way or the other at that point. Right. Yeah. Agreed. Like I don't see any team getting swept or doing a sweep or even five games. It'll be six no. or seven. I, I don't. I don't think so. I would be very surprised if anyone sweeps in the Metropolitan Division. Yes. In, in the Atlantic. Yeah, I'm expecting it. Yeah, Tampa, uh, Tampa Bay, I think, is probably four or five games. And as I predicted on one of the million shows we do, uh, Boston is going to gentlemen sweep Tampa Bay in the first round. Uh, <laughs> Toronto in the first round, rather. Yeah, it's. Oh, I can't wait for that. That's going to be amazing. <laughs> um, so there you go. Uh, the, um, I think we got a little bit off topic in a sense there. No, we talked about the playoffs and about the scoring. And then, we, we yeah, we, we did in terms of like where we're talking about the playoffs, but it was all because of their scoring is back, right? The only reason that we're talking about success in the playoffs is because they're able to score. Uh, they're also able to score on the power play. They got two power play goals in the last three games. Finally. That's something. Yeah, finally. It's still two out of the last nine, but they're still still power play goals. But the, the whole point of that, that, that segment was they are doing something they hadn't been doing previously, and that can only help them. Okay, so you're ready to move on from Eberly and Beauvillier talk? <laughs> yes. Okay, so now we can get into Oliver Wallstrom, the Islanders' first-round pick, well, one of their two first-round picks from this past draft. He signs his entry-level deal, and he is playing with the Bridgeport Sound Tigers. Yes, he played this morning. Yeah, this morning. They played at like 10 o'clock or something stupid like that. Amazing. God, the AHL is such a rough league to play in, playing at 10 o'clock in the morning. Imagine that. No, I can't. Oh, you're you're, sh- you're still showing up in the arena at like six, so you know whatever. Um, yeah, he played today uh, for them. He did not register a. Sh- uh, he registered one shot, and it was minus one in a three-one loss to the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins. Okay, so not but, much you know, of an impact. F- no, but first AHL game, right? And like the team wasn't necessarily good. They had eight shots in the in the first, seven in the second, and then wait for it, eighteen in the third period. I thought you were going to go like three. I thought you were going to go down. Nah, they had 18. Scranton had 14, 14, four in terms of shots. But That's, he's there. Yeah. So we're just talking about him specifically. Are, are you surprised he's now in the AHL? I am, yeah. I thought, I'm not surprised that he left his college. He went, what, BC? Boston yes, College? Boston yeah. College. So I'm not surprised that he left Boston College. I thought he would go to some Canadian league, whether it be the... Got it. 
No? You no. didn't think he would? No. But he didn't want to. I, but, like, what other options? So you thought that he would go to the AHL? Well, that that's the only other option. I thought he would stay in the NCAA at least another year. Okay. But maybe I shouldn't say that. At the start of the season, I thought he'd be there maybe two years. Unless he had, like, a really good season, then he absolutely he's a one and done. There's no way. The Islanders would, would have thrown so much money at him that there's just kind of like, no, I have to go. Um, but he didn't have a great year, right? He had 19 points in 36 games on a team that, you know, didn't do very well either. So he didn't seem to get like get along with the coach. Remember back in November where there were talks of him joining, was it the ECHL or something like that? Vaguely. Like the Tri-City, not, not Americans, that's a, that's a WHL team, but the Tri-City something held his rights and they, they, they put him on the roster in, 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 uh, in preparation of him leaving BC. Okay. Because um, the talk was that he wasn't happy at BC and he was looking for options, uh, looking for ways out. And the only one was the only the only one that he wanted or could have seen is he could have gone to the AHL right away. But you're like, eh, that's that's a big jump. You're 18. It's maybe not time to go to the AHL. Uh, is he 18 or is he 19 now? I think he, I believe he's 19. Okay. Um, he could have gone to the QMJHL. Because one, uh, I think it's a Cape Breton Streaming Eagles or something like that, hold his rights. Uh, but he did not want to go to the QMJHL. And then there was that ECHL team, the Tri-City something or others, hold his rights. I forget what they're called. Sorry, Tri-City ECHL team. It wouldn't be the ECHL. What am I talking about? The USHL or something like that. He the, is still 18. He'll turn 19 in June. There we go. So it's the Tri City Storm. Sorry, the Tri City Storm never came up with that. No, of the USHL, they hold his rights and they put him on the books back in November in hopes that he would join their team. Not hopes, but like thinking that he might leave BC and that they could they could you know have him come by. But he's in the AHL, so I, I'm a little surprised he's there now. Uh, I thought he would you know he did play out the year and he's he's there as soon as possible. So, I like that. That's true. Get him experience in the playoffs for the AHL, and I think that's where he'll start the season next year. Yeah, you would you would imagine so, unless he has an unbelievable camp, um, which I I'm not I'm not predicting. I, I think he, he's yeah one year in the AHL and, and then we'll see what happens. Yeah, and listen for me because I, I guess we can get into expectations and timelines for Wallstrom because I sure. think we are expecting him to play in the NHL someday, especially because where he was picked and the uh, the prowess that surrounded him. He, to me, I think will definitely start next year in the AHL. But if he really, really plays well and dominates, which I think he has the talent to do because of the kind of goal scorer he is, I think if there was an injury to the NHL roster, especially to the top six next year, I think he'd be the first one up. Probably. Um, so so with his season in BC, do you think his value takes a hit? I, I keep asking you these questions like it's an interview, but I'm not sure necessarily if his value takes a hit, at least organizationally. But across the league, it must, right? I don't think so. No, I don't. Because I I throw the college stats out, out the window. I hate looking at the college stats because look at what happened with Kiefer Bellows two years ago. He put up terrible numbers in college. And then last year, he went to the WHL and played with who, Portland? Yes, the Portland Winterhawks. 
and put up phenomenal numbers. He was an amazing goal scorer, and he showed off the talent that we all knew that he had. So I, I take that with a grain of salt, honestly. It, it's a low, the, like the caliber of play is a lot different in, in the, the WHL. It's not to say the NCAA is better, but you have older players in the W in the, in the college ranks than you do in the WHL or the, the CHL. Really, um, it's a lot of younger players, you know, 18, 16 year olds. Whereas in NCAA or, or in the college ranks, you got guys that are up to twenty four years old, and, and a lot of them. You also don't play as frequently, right? Like the the seasons are 40, 41 games long. Not even. I think it's thirty. So there you go. Whereas the CHL is up to seventy six something of the sorts, give or take. Yes. Um. That that's a huge difference. Uh. So, I I I'm with you that I think he could get a call up next year, uh, if an injury happens. But I think the plan for him is not to be in the NHL next season, but the season after that. Uh, and the fact that he's there now, uh, he can start winning, hopefully, and, and and competing at least in the playoffs or learning what it's like to play in, in a playoff situation with some of these players, like a Hosang, maybe, uh, like a Sebastian Ajo, you know, guys like that that are ready for the next step. And Kiefer Bellows, obviously. I forgot about him for some reason. Otto Koivula as well. Oh, my God. So many people I forgot. Yes. Can't forget about Otto Koivula, who no. I am still riding that train. I think he makes the <laughs> NHL team eventually. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I, I There's also the, the Lou factor, right? Like, Lou likes to have his, his guys, you know, really earn their stripes and, and play their way through the AHL. Just one AHL season isn't necessarily going to show them otherwise. Um, if you can prove it through one and then start doing the same thing next season, then maybe he'll think about it. But he's not really going to jump the gun on prospects. No, he certainly isn't. And they take a much more conservative approach, which we've seen this year. And it's worked to an extent, so I understand why. Fair enough. Yeah, it's worked. That's true. You know, the, the adding Devontae's, although that wasn't necessarily his call, that was more of a Gar Snow thing. Uh, unfortunately, Ryan Pulak has worked out fantastically, but that that we're talking about defensemen. We're, we're talking about forwards. Like, there's not really anyone to really make that comparison to yet. Yeah, not really, because outside of John Tavares and Barzell, who's like an a first round pick at forward that turned out like to be a star or star caliber. Brock Nelson, nice player, not a star. Ryan Strom fizzled out. Nino Nino Ryder. Fizzled out and they traded him away. They don't have a ton Michael of Michael Dalcole, Michael Dalcole, Josh Hosang, all these guys. Yeah, you're right. And even then, Brock Nelson, you wouldn't say that his grooming in the AHL is what prepared, what turned him into the player he is today, right? Like that, that was grueling NHL grooming, and he's finally doing something that we're, you know, where we thought he would be. Yeah, finally. Fine. This is what we thought. Brock Nelson could be. It only took him five years to get to the point, though. <laughs> <laughs> five years of NHL experience. Same thing with Josh Bailey, right? Like he he didn't go to the AHL, right? He jumped right in, and he's finally there. It took him uh, nine years. Yeah, that's a long time. Arguably eight, if you you include that fifty six point season. Yeah, yeah, eight. I'll give you eight. Right. So still, that's way too long. <laughs> that's way too long. Yes. So. Yeah, Absolutely. glad he's here. I'm really glad that Oliver Wallstrom is here. So with that, do you want to get into the social segment, which? Sure. What do you I want to say talk that, about? Like, I don't want to do it, but like, do, do you want to go first? You have something you you've been to, wanting to get on your, off your chest. Okay. All right. Yeah. I had an interesting week on Twitter, Mitch. I really did. So we'll let's throw it back <laughs> to 
I, I have it screenshotted so I can tell you the exact date and time. No, I can't because I cropped it. I'm a fool. Wait, wait. Are, are you going to do like Mike Francesa and just start calling people out like they're not your caliber or something? No, Mike Francesa never calls people out or admits mistakes. He... Oh, he calls people out. He called out Rick DiPietro. I, I don't even know who he is, but he's following me. I guess I don't know who he is. Hey, get it, get to your league. Well, it was it was rough. Yeah. Well, that's Mike. <laughs> I don't have strong feelings for Mike Francesa, but story for another day. So <laughs> Sunday, we yes. realize that Tanner Fritz is injured. So yes. that means what? That there is a hole on the third line. You would assume. Then you call someone up uh, naturally. So I tweeted out a lineup that I would use. And I was serious about the lineup part. It's the last line where obviously there is a joke. At Mount O'Leary NY's Twitter, you've probably seen the tweet because we'll get to why you've probably seen it. So I say do it cowards. And then at the New York Islanders. So for those who don't know, which is completely fine. Maybe you're over the age of 35, like I said in a blog. Maybe you're not. Maybe you're under the age of 35. I, I like how you, you, you don't include 30. You don't go 34 or over the age of 30. Thank no. you. No. <laughs> yes. So if you're 35 plus and maybe you don't understand how Twitter gimmicks work, which is completely fine, I personally like to take a sarcastic and humorous approach to Twitter. And one of those sticks is saying, let's get weird, which I almost said would have probably saved myself on that Sunday. <laughs> Probably. Uh, 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 or like, do it or just do it, whatever. Or you won't, like stuff like, I don't even know how to explain this, but do it cowards is, I'm not literally calling them cowards. I'm just, it's almost saying like, I know you're not going to do it, but hint, hint, nudge, maybe you should think about it. Right. In a joking yes. conversation. Great. So we established that. Clear joke, correct? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I get it. Now, although I'm only 34, so like you know, I'm supposed uh, to. So get you're it. in that bracket. You're supposed to get it. 35 <laughs> plus. I don't know. Absolutely. Once you get to those 35 plus contracts in the NHL, that's when things go bad. Uh, that's next. Year. <laughs> that's not even next year. That's in a, a month and 20. Not even 19 days. I got a month and 19 days before I'm dead to the world. So Brian Compton, who is 35 plus. Mind you. I assume. He, I don't know what his age is. I assume he I is. I think he's, I'm pretty sure he's 41. Okay. Um, said, Isles are cowards just hours after clinching. Amazing. Quote tweets it. I was shocked, Mitch. I was shocked and enraged. So the first thing that I do, I respond. Yep. Calmly. Of course. I said, Brian, comma, it was a joke. Relax. And then... I was surprised. Most people. Now, there were some who came after me, but most people came to my defense and they said that Brian was out of line for doing it. And that I was one, I was clearly joking. And two, why are you putting a fan on blast? Yeah. So I, I'm going to play both sides here. Obviously, Naturally, I naturally middleman Mitch. Get, yeah, uh, very much on the fence here. Uh, not really. Uh, I, I support your decision to use sarcasm on Twitter. <laughs> That's perfectly fine. Um, I don't know. I, I think he obviously he didn't get it. And that, that's fine. Like, I, I didn't necessarily get it either because I'm not very um, down with parlance on Twitter and sarcasm. Sarcasm doesn't isn't my thing. I, I could be very sarcastic, but I, I know that my sarcasm does not 
translate. And that's the thing. Sarcasm online just does I don't know like why why it doesn't translate. Obviously, how does he know that you're you're being you're you're joking? I, I guess you know if we all like went into the ether of Twitter, we'd get it. I, I assume. Or if you fo- like, he doesn't follow me. So if you followed my stuff, you would know the kind of content that I put out. Just yeah, to cherry true. to cherry pick one thing out of context and then put me on blast for it. What the hell is that about? It's Twitter, man. It's Twitter. You are looking for a reaction. He's looking for a reaction. That's how it works. I'm just trying to be funny and have a good time. That's exactly. it. I just want to have fun. And I did not have fun on Sunday because I'm, I had I'm sorry. bombarded with imbeciles on Twitter coming at me <laughs> saying that I'm a fool, this and that, calling okay. me names. The, the take was, the hot take was that you're, you're putting Sezikis as a third line center. That, that's really what this stems from. Right, the, the coward sure. thing is, is you want Sezikis as a third, not want, but you think it would be an interesting idea to put Casey Sezikis on the third line center next to Anthony Bovilli on the and, left wing and, and Josh Hosang on the right. right wing. Yes, and that's where that's where people are like, "Whoa, whoa, bud, chill." To that, I'm like, Meh. you know what? Like, he's got a point there. You've got a point. Like, first off, with the Casey Sezikis being a third line center, that makes total sense. If if you have, a, a, like you said, that you prefix it very well, you have an opening at the third line center mark, right? Like Tanner Fritz isn't there. Valtteri Filippo isn't there. Who are you going to put your third line center? Tom Kunakel? Fantastic. Well, we can't break up that fourth line. Well, like guys, at a certain point, we got to do something for the third line. We can't have them have plugs either. Yeah, that's that's it. Like Kunakel and realistically Komarov too. They're a fourth yep. liner. They yeah. are. Let's call a spade a spade here. They are fourth-line players. They shouldn't be playing on the third line to begin with. And Casey Zekas, with the year he's had, can handle playing a role where he could be a little bit a little bit more offensive and also be defensive-minded, too. That's not so going to change. We saw a case. Was it against the Jets where he was playing a little bit with Anthony Bovillian yes. near the end? Yes. And my God, they were amazing. They were really good together. And then you add Hosang, who, I don't know, could maybe help out their power play that was like 5 for 50 over the last <laughs> stretch. And you add Hosang and Bovillier, who they had success in 2016-2017 playing together. And then the defensive mind, responsible veteran in the middle, and maybe you have something cooking. And then on that last line, you have Komarov in the middle, Clutterbuck on the right, Martin on the left. And you don't worry about that line as much. No, and a lot of people will say, well, that means that Martin and, and Cal Clutterbuck are going to be effectiveless. And you're going, all right, fine. Like, yes, they will drop. But like we said before in the show, um, there's there's more to gain. It seems that there's more to gain out of Casey Zegas than there is to lose out of Cal Clutterbuck and Matt Martin. Right. That's that's the thing. I'd, be, I'd rather go and say, okay, then I'll only play Clutterbuck, Martin, and Komarov eight to ten minutes on the night and then I'd rather play the top three lines, you know, upwards like the from 20 to 14 minutes. You're right. And, and so like, listen, Matt Martin and Cal Clutterbuck are getting 11 minutes a night. Well, not really. Cal Clutterbuck's getting 17. You know what? Never mind. He's getting 17 <laughs> minutes a night. He I don't just even did, know. Yeah. I don't even know. I don't know. It doesn't, whatever I say doesn't matter, obviously. So I, I get where you're coming from as having Casey Zeke as a third line center. I echo those sentiments wholeheartedly. 
obviously people are going to disagree and that's the point of twitter that's perfectly fine we could like we had an interaction with someone i think based off of that his name was joe who venomously did not like any of our takes but that's fine we can disagree on something and have a conversation about this and get to a point where we still disagree or agree to disagree but there's no there's no sense in just like oh. you're an idiot. But like that's Twitter though. Like we we sh- we we should expect that that comes with the territory. Oh, and by the way, that guy who came at us so hard, he then later DM'd me and apologized. And we had a phenomenal conversation. That's what Twitter should be about. That's, that's all exactly, I'm saying. That's exactly it. it. It's hot takes and everyone at, at the the peak of their heat, and then. When they get to it, you're like, you know what? You're still a good guy. We, we don't agree or a good person because it's not just guys, obviously. Uh, we're, you're a good person. We agree or disagree, and that's perfectly fine. So we, we had a learning experience on Twitter. I'm, I still – and you know what? I, I kind of chirped back at Brian Compton a little bit because he was being a dingus to me. So uh, that day earlier, people kept asking him about the Islanders' playoff beards. So I tweeted at him. I said, hey, Brian Compton, any word on if the Islanders are going to be able to grow out their playoff beards? You know, they were the first ones to do it originally. And he liked my tweet. There you go. So you're all you're all good. So I continued. I was hoping that he would go off again. Like I was trying to set him up to, to spike it. But he, he, he liked the tweet. So I think he got that I was joking and then figured out, hey, this kid's got jokes. It, it's water under the bridge. It's, yes. It's a Red Hot Chili can, Pepper song. Can we just have fun on Twitter, please? That's what I want to talk about. That's what I want to say. Main All right, takeaway okay. is just can we please have fun on the internet? Please. Don't take yeah, it so well. seriously. All right. Two things then on the internet and specifically Twitter. My first one is there's a video uh, that like anyone that's anyone on uh, IELTS Twitter was uh, quote tweeted in. Uh, I know I was specifically my my Twitter itself has gone crazy because of it. So thank you to uh, Thomas Byram, who is at Yorkie put in one. That's Y O R K Y P U D D I N one, and it's a video that he made uh, with Brendan Burke's call at the very start, and it's just highlights for, from throughout the season and showing how you know Brendan Burke did that call at the end of the game. Uh, when they clinched mm-hmm. uh, and put essentially all the outlets, maybe not all, but a lot of the outlets on on notice who had doubted the Islanders, except for Brian Compton, who was the only NHL writer to have the Islanders in the actual playoffs. So shout out Bcom, good job by you, buddy. Um, again, neither of us had them in there, so nope. like, he was probably the only person on the face of the earth. Who, maybe not. I th- I'm sure there was other people, but he's one of the few, one of the few uh, who saw this coming. Uh, but it, it was an amazing call, outstanding call. So again, if you can go look at that video, it's Yorkie put in one. It's phenomenal. It's really well done. The call, Brennan's call, is just out, out of this world. Out of this world. How we that that's a, like what third time he does that? He did it when they came back to the Coliseum. He did it when Tavares came back, and then he did it again. Three in one season. Oh, this guy has a flair for the dramatic, and I love it. I do too. He Perfect. is a really, really good. I think he's underrated even by a national perspective. I don't think people realize how good he is because he's so young. Yeah, it's what year two, three. Is it three already? My God. So yeah, he he's still young in terms of broadcaster eyes, right? But like he's getting there, right? In his second year, he was already given um, playoff duties for mm-hmm. San Jose, so that's huge. Uh, I'm sure that'll continue if the Islanders don't make it past any whatever round. Right. 
my second thing from Twitter, and, and this is going to be uh, a shameless plug as well, is uh, we spoke to Alan, who is the guy behind the uh, video uh, of, sorry, I should rephrase that. He's the guy who shouted his mouth off at, t- at Tavares and shouted, uh, shouted his mouth off sounds a bit rude for me, uh, very much rude. He let Tavares know how he felt. That's how I should say it. He Much let better. Tavares know how he felt, and he did a fantastic job of doing it. And it, it made the rounds on Twitter. A lot of people were embarrassed for some reason. I don't understand why. Um, it's, it, it's just a fan letting uh, a former player uh, know how he felt about what that former player did to the team. Uh, he didn't swear. He wasn't violent. He wasn't... He was just letting the guy know how he felt. Anyways, we spoke to him, and it's on our Patreon. So that's going up tonight as we record this. So head over to our Patreon. So it's patreon.com slash eyes on aisles for our conversation with Alan and his cameraman, Keith. Keith, did I get that right? Mm-hmm, correct. Yes. God, my memory is so good sometimes. Um, and, and he let us know why he said what he said and what was going through his mind at the time. And it's really just kind of a, a guy who just loves this team a lot. And that's 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 all you want to hear. It's just it's just it came from a place of love, and that's perfect. Yes, one hundred percent. That was one. It was awesome to talk to him. Two, phenomenal video. By the way, he did everything perfectly. He didn't. He wasn't inappropriate. The language to use was completely fair. Tavares saw it. He went viral. Good for him. Yeah, exactly. Just perfect. All right. Is that all you got for us for the social segment, Mitch? Yes. Okay, so that is going to do it for me because I got way too much out of this social segment, and we're going to run a little long if I keep ranting about Twitter. So I'm going to just get some plugs in before we get on out of here. As Mitch mentioned, you can follow us on our Patreon, so patreon.com slash eyes on aisles. You can subscribe for our postgame content, which will include playoff games, playoff postgame shows, mailbag shows, and a weekly newsletter. You could also follow us on social media at Eyes on Isles FS on Twitter. My personal Twitter is at Matt O'Leary and why Mitch's is at TLO. Mitch, you could like our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Eyes on Isles. Make sure to download the app, the Eyes on Isles app, available for Apple or Android. You could also visit the website, eyesonisles.com, for all your New York Islanders needs. And of course, wherever you are listening to this podcast, please make sure to subscribe and review we appreciate all the love and support and we wouldn't be able to do it without you guys right mitch no we wouldn't i, I sorry i just wanted to give a shout out to, to keith it's at keith Lavit if you want to look at the video it's keith k-e-i-t-h-l-a-v-i-t-t on to look at the video of the yeah. guy shouting at Tavares, shouting yes. lovingly from a place of love absolutely so thank you so much for tuning in mitch and i will be back next week talk to you then Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.